morning. How's everyone doing? Good. So um, I have one quick thought for you guys. I have a couple different things. Uh, one is if someone bring, if you wear flannel pajamas on December 1st, you have come to pajamas and pancakes, not just flannel and flapjacks. You like that? I have bad humor, so get used to it, all right? It's called dad jokes. That's what I got. So I, won't, I don't think I have planned too many dad jokes, but who really plans a dad joke? It just comes. So like it is right there, I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, I, Pastor Devin uh, is, um, has become a good friend of mine, and it is my honor to be here with you guys. I want to do a few things of honor that I don't know if you did last week or, or not, because with Veterans Day following on uh, Saturday, it's, it's always odd as a pastor, do you, do you honor the veterans before Veterans Day or after Veterans Day? And so I don't know if that happened last week or not, but I want to take that moment and honor those of you who have served in our branches of the military. If you would stand right now, if you could, I, I mean, I don't, want to, I don't want to embarrass you, I want to honor you. So if you have served, I want to honor you today and say thank you. Thank you for serving. Thank you. The, the second thing I want to do is I want to honor the, the families of those who served and say thank you to you. If you had a loved one who served in the military, one of the four branches or even National Guard or even reserves, would you stand, please? We want to honor you today and say thank you for your sacrifice that you made. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's really, and my father-in-law was in the Navy. He was in Vietnam. And, and so uh, I've had conversations with him. And, and uh, he passed away about a year and a half ago. Um, we had his funeral in Boulder City, Nevada, uh, at the Veterans Memorial uh, Cemetery. He's, he's there. He and his wife are both, um, their urns are, are there. And we had the opportunity to be part of that. And I, I cherished him as a father-in-law, as a man, and as a veteran, so I want to say thank you. The other bit of honor I want to make sure that you, you have from me is to honor Pastor Devin. You have an incredible pastor. You do. But just not, Pastor, you have an incredible family. You have an incredible family. Um, my first time meeting uh, Pastor Devin was at summer camp. Uh, I was a lead pastor taking my students to summer camp. And uh, Devin, at the time, was in Lafayette as one of the youth pastors uh, there, and we connected right away. We connected in line to get cheese fries. I don't get cheese fries. I get regular fries. I'm lactose intolerant, I don't want, and I don't like cheese. So anyways, but so we were in line to get, get food, and uh, we started talking, and when he found out that I was a lead pastor who was serving our students, he was, um, he, he was so honorable in that moment to me. And in that moment, we became friends and we stayed connected through the years. And for a few years, we, we both did ministry really close to each other uh, here in this part of Indiana. And so I love that he is with the students, ministering with and to the students at youth convention. And, uh, and so he and I had, had lunch, a f I think, a couple months ago. And when he told me about it, you know, he was needing something. I'm like, dude, I got you. I'll come and I'll speak, and so great opportunity, and I know that you honored him when it came to Pastor Appreciation Month last month, but as a uh, former lead pastor of Indiana, I want to encourage you, uh, and I want to challenge you 
not, I don't know if what you do and don't do when it comes to honoring him, but don't let it be one month out of the year. He is well deserving of honor every week, every month here at this church, but whether he deserves it or not, God wants us to give honor where honor is due. And so will you do that? Will you find ways to honor him and appreciate him all of the months of the year and not just in October? I was a lead pastor for 17 years and I was a pastor for almost 25 years and that, that month was special, but I'm going to tell you right now, what was more special was when something was done or uh, some kind of love and honor and appreciation was given one of the other months out of the year. And uh, I just want to encourage you with that. So honor Pastor Devin, honor Jenny and the boys, because it's hard being a pastor, it's hard being a pastor's kid, it's hard being a pastor's spouse. That's not easy stuff. Uh, that's, that's difficult work. I, I am grateful that now that I am no longer a pastor, that my girls still go to church. It's one thing to go to church because your dad's the pastor. And it's another thing to go to church because you want to go to church. And so they are at church right now. Um, my, my wife and my oldest are, are in a church in Fort Wayne. That's where we're currently attending a church uh, ourselves. And so they're, they're up there going to church. And then my youngest, she's serving in kids ministry at her church today. So I love that uh, they have not stopped serving. Speaking of giving honor to my beautiful family, I don't have a picture, I'm so sorry. But uh, my beautiful bride, Shami, she and I have been married for 27 years, 28 in May. So we're very excited to celebrate that next step in our lives and uh, we'll just, just, just keep on going, right? Uh, she, is, uh, so she works in the Youth Ministry Events Department in the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University. If you have ever heard of Fusion or Never Too Young, a couple of conferences that happen there at Indiana Wesleyan, uh, she's like the associate director of that. She makes all the back-end stuff happen and uh, does such a great job. She's also, they call her Mama Shammy there because she travels the country during the summer to visit the summer ministry teams that uh, go minister at camps. And in fact, uh, they, do, they have often brought one to at least one of the weeks at Lake Placid. And uh, last year, it so happened to be the week that I was there. So I love that uh, she got to hang out with me for a day as well. Uh, does a great job there. Uh, my girls, uh, Bailey and Savannah, they're 21 and 18 years old. We are an empty nest. Yes. <laughs> I love them to death, but I would love being with my bride and just the two of us. It's uh, very special. But we think we have a feeling they're coming back, at least for a little while. Because Bailey's a junior at IWU, and uh, she's in pre-art therapy. She's probably going to take a little bit of a break before she starts her master's. Uh, she's an amazing artist, um, but amazing, even better at helping kids. She's done this in the Marion Community School. She's helped kids already with her, her art therapy. Uh, just, oh my goodness, amazing. Then Savannah, she has switched her major uh, to uh, elementary education, and uh, which kind of fits. She's the one doing kids ministry today. Uh, so uh, she's going to be, uh, be a teacher, and uh, we're excited for that. She's crazy smart. You know how kids get these four-point-somethings? Like, I was glad I got a 3.7, and in, in college, I was glad I got a C, because Cs get degrees. So, you know... But, but I, I did better than most of the time, did better than C's, but, but, but it's just, she's so crazy. She's got a, she had a four point something in high school and uh, just amazing girls that both were in athletics and uh, I got to see that uh, and all of that. Um, 
just a little bit more about myself and my family, and it would be this, that uh, we came from uh, Las Vegas. We were youth pastors in Las Vegas for seven and a half years before making our way to Marion, Indiana. And we were lead pastors at New Life Community Church in Marion, Indiana for 17 years. Um, and we had the joy, one of the joys of leading that church was celebrating the 50th anniversary of the church and uh, bringing all the former lead pastors together. That was such a, oh my goodness, I can't tell you. To celebrate uh, the history, I, I'm, a, I'm a local historian of New Life Community Church in Grant County. I have read everything there is to read about the church that I got to pastor. And uh, what you, we're going to talk about today is going to be exciting because we're going to talk about something that we did at New Life in Marion, and that's Kingdom Builders Miracle Offering Sundays. There's nothing better than that kind of day. There's very few things better than that kind of opportunity to give. And so I just want to take a few moments there. Hey, that, that's me. I actually grew up in Seattle. Uh, Seattle area. I am a Seahawks, Mariners, Huskies, everything Seattle fan. And so my Huskies won yesterday. I don't really care how they win, just win, baby. And uh, so they're 10-0. and 0, So my, my Seahawks are 5-3. and 3, They're top of the division. And for those of you that are Colts fans, I am very proud of you today to be here because I know that right now they're playing. So please put your phone down. Stop looking at the score. Pay attention to what God wants to say. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. But I have gone to every single Seahawks game that has happened down in Indianapolis. So I've gotten a speaker so I could be at those games. And uh, even the year we won the Super Bowl, one of the teams that beat us was the Indianapolis Colts. But, uh, but we did win the Super Bowl that year. Anyway, so I, I am a diehard. I am a diehard sports fan. I played football. I, was gonna, I planned to go play college football. Uh, but then God had a different direction for my life. When I was 18, it was that year. I was at Cedar Springs camp. I was a counselor of junior hires. On Wednesday night, God said, I want you to work with kids for the rest of your life. I'm like, what? No, I'm going to go play college football, and I'm going to go get a degree in business administration, emphasis in marketing, and no, that's, and so I'm like, what? I don't understand. And then on that Friday morning, the, the speaker said, I feel like I'm supposed to give my testimony, and he gives his testimony. He says, I was planning to go to college, and I was going to get a business degree in business administration with an emphasis in marketing, and then God called me into ministry. I'm like, What? And so he's like, if any one of you counselors or students are call, felt the call today, respond. And so I did. And so then I remember calling my football coach I was going to go play for, and he said to me, David, you need to do whatever God tells you to do. Wow, a college football coach, a secular university football coach telling you, do what God tells you to do. And because I did, my wife and I started dating that December. I would have been in a different part of the state who knows if if we would have gotten together, if when we would have gotten together, all those kinds of things, and off we went. I've written one book. Um, it's called Son of David, Drawing the King Out in Every Man. Uh, I mentioned it to one person. I just want to bring that up to you guys because you're wondering, what is he doing? He's not a pastor anymore, so what is he doing? I'm still an ordained minister of the Assemblies of God. Um, I had an opportunity last October to go down to Tennessee and hang out with a friend of mine who was a youth pastor in Las Vegas with me and do what's called a Son of David weekend where I got together with the men of their church and told and helped them see there's a king inside of them. And that's what the, my book, Son of David, Drawing the King Out in Every Man, it's premised off of this one thing. Then I'm going to get preaching, all right? Uh, the, the premise is this, that there are three men in the Bible who have ever called Son of David, given the title of Son of David. Solomon is given the title of Son of David. That's an easy one, right? Because Solomon is the Son of David. And then Jesus gets the title, and, and he gets the title of Son of David because he's the fulfillment of the covenant between God and King David. But then we find in Matthew 1.20 
this moment between Gabriel the angel and Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, and Joseph's trying to figure out what to do, and the angel says, Joseph, son of David. And I caught my attention one day. I'm like, why? Why does that happen? Why does, why does God decide to wait 900 years to go from Solomon to Joseph before he uses the title again? And I realized that God needed a kingly, noble, godly man to lead and serve Mary and to raise and release Jesus into God's care one day. And I saw that and I realized, wait a second, Joseph is an ordinary guy. He's a carpenter. What God wants is every man to be a kingly, noble, godly man who will lead and serve his bride, but also lead and serve the ladies around his life and raise and release his kids and bring masculine presence to those who aren't his kids so that they will one day see God as their father. And so that's the journey. I wrote that book about 10 years ago, and, and, and I continue to go and speak at churches to have that opportunity, whether it's a men's breakfast, whether it's a, a weekend together, or however it may, may be. I've been talking to some of the Chi Alphas to help them in the journey as well. And so I've been writing my next couple of books in this process. I, 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 my last Sunday was June 25th, so in this four and a half month time, part of it has been writing these next books. One is the sequel to Son of David, because it's one thing to be anointed a king, it's another to be inaugurated a king. Just look at David and his journey and his life, or Joseph when he got the dream when he was 17, waited 22 years for the fulfillment of his dream, and on and on we go. But also, Return to the Garden is a book I'm going to be writing that's talking about helping uh, you see the royalty in your spouse and draw that out so that you can go back to the Garden of Eden and live that life without shame. And um, the final book is called Restore to the Line, and it's helped draw the royalty out of your kids. And so this is part of what God has called me to do next. And uh, I, I, there's some things that might come loose uh, next week for me as far as a, a, some full-time kind of uh, opportunities. So if you pray for me in that, I would appreciate that so very much. But you never know what God's going to do. Um, I did not know I'd come and speak with you guys, but God did, and he wanted this moment uh, just to share those things with you. And now, for the next few minutes, I'm going to share with you guys something that's been on my heart for for a while when it comes to uh, being a person God can do things through, all right? Can I pray? God, I thank you for our opportunity to come together today. I pray, Lord Jesus, as you help me to share uh, this message with everyone here at New Life Kokomo, that you, they would become the conduits, the channels, the people you want to do things through. In your name we pray, amen. Have you ever turned on your TV? And, well, it's more than just that. I mean, come on, you guys are, that wasn't like a dad joke there, all right? You click the guide button and you start scrolling through your guide and, and, and through the channels. Or, or, or maybe you don't have a cable uh, and so you don't have a guide that you go through. Maybe you are only streaming channels now. And, and you, you stream through, you're looking through the TV channels, or I mean the TV shows, you're looking through the movies, the documentaries, and you've gone through what you feel like is everything that is possibly out there, and you stop and say, there's nothing to watch. Right? We've all done that, haven't we? We've all gone through those times. There's nothing to watch. Well, before there were guides on your TV uh, show, or even maybe before the TV guide existed, uh, those, you know, the paper one, uh, or, or the, the, the streaming channels, we would do something, all of us, called channel surfing. 
If you're old enough to understand what channel surfing is, it's simply going through your TV without knowing what's going to be on that channel. And so you're going through, and don't you, you hated it when you hit a commercial, because you're like, oh man, i got to remember that channel, because I didn't get that channel. And you're, you're quickly going through the channels. And as you're going through the channels, you're trying to find something to watch, and you'll cycle all the way through the channels, find something that you want to watch, and sometimes have to go through the channels multiple times, because you forgot what channel that thing was that you were going to watch. It's called channel surfing. What if I told you that I believe God does his own kind of channel surfing that god is looking for people he wants to do things through he, he is looking for people he can um, use in the way that he wants to use i'm going to show you a verse that shows me that god does channel surfing it's second chronicles 16 9 it says the eyes of the lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him this is this is god channel surfing God is looking for someone he can do things through. Now, he says this to the king of Judah named King Asa. King Asa was ruling for 35 years at that point. And he was doing things God's way, and then he turned and started doing things his way when God said this to him. And so it sounds like to me, like God was saying to King Asa, if you don't want to be my channel, if you don't want to be my conduit, if you don't want to be my person, I can do things through, I'm going to go look for someone who will be. The truth is, God is always looking for conduits. God is always looking for someone who he can do things through. God is always looking for a conduit to use to bring his strength, his peace, his hope, his love, and yes, his resources to and through. Now, there's various words we can use for conduit. There's words like trench or uh, groove or rut or shoots, like as in shoots and ladders, slides. But these are different words. But I think the mo my most favorite word to help you understand conduit is the word channel. I think channel is the best illustration that we can use here because it's not just a channel on your TV set. A channel is also a length of water wider than a straight that joins two larger areas of water, especially two seas. Now, the, probably the most famous channel is the English Channel. And if we had put, I think, do we have that picture? Here's the English Channel. You can see it separates the Atlantic Ocean from the North Sea. And to put this in perspective, is the only way that the ocean waters of the Atlantic Ocean get to the North Sea is through the English Channel. Now, I'm going to give you some size perspectives for a second here that let you know that the North Sea is 185 times, uh, or actually, sorry, the Atlantic Ocean is 185 times larger than the North Sea but the Atlantic Ocean is 1,400 times, over 1,400 times larger than the English Channel. And the only way that the water flows from the Atlantic Ocean to the North Sea is through the English Channel. Do you know that, uh, I don't know what France calls it in the United Kingdom, they don't call it the English Channel, they just call it the Channel. It's just the Channel. 
We call it the English Channel, but it's the channel to them. The picture of the Atlantic making its way through the channel to the North Sea is the perfect image for you and me to grab a hold of today and always remember so we can understand our place in God's journey to get what he has to those he wants to get them to. Now, we go back to the verse we read earlier. We've got to note the kind of person, the kind of channel God is looking for, all right? The kind of channel God is looking for is those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And a channel is a person whose treasure is stored in heaven because wherever our hearts are, so our treasure will be as well. Remember Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 6, verse 21. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Yet I know this is not an easy task. It's simple, but it's not easy. But if we were to look at ourselves as the channel, like the English channel, that we are the way that God gets his vastness, gets his resources, gets everything. But imagine for a second that the Atlantic Ocean is God, or imagine the North Sea is everybody else in the world, and you and I are the channel. We are the only way that God gets what is his to others. We are the channel. God is looking for those kinds of people right here, right now. So I want to give you an example of what being a channel for Jesus looks like and having what God sends to us flow through us to others. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time today is John chapter 6, verse, beginning in verse 5. It says this, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Do you see it? He already knew what he was going to do. Like, put that in your memory bank for a second. Just hold on to that, that thought. He, you, he already knew what he was going to do. He's testing Philip. He already knows what he's going to do. Keep that in mind, okay? Let's keep reading. Philip replied, even if he worked for months... We, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Verse 10, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men outnumbered about five, the men alone numbered about 5,000. Verse 11, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Again, take note of that. What did Jesus do? He distributed the loaves and the fish to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish. They all ate as much as they wanted. I love how this shows the young boy's willingness. This is a great picture of the young boy being the channel for, for Jesus. It's a great picture of this. And we could spend time talking about this young boy giving his five loaves and two fish so that he could be the channel that God wanted. But there's something else here I want you guys to see, something I think that's even better to, to, to grasp the whole idea of God wants to do things through you. He wants to use you to be his channel to reach others who do not know him or reach others who need something that he, God can bring through you, not just to you. Remember verse 11 says, Jesus distributed the food to the people but Matthew's account of the feeding of the 5,000 shows us how Jesus distributes the food to the people. We'll pick it up in verse 16 of Matthew 14. Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. 
This gives us the clue of what Jesus, remember, he already knew what he was going to do. He already knew it, okay? Keep going, verse 17. But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. Did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see what Jesus did? Did you see what happened? I want to show you verse 18 and 19. We'll highlight a few things in these two verses that we see them again. To put verse 18 19, look at the first thing. He says, bring them here. Bring what here? Yeah, the loaves and the fish. So Jesus said, bring me the five loaves and two fish. He's saying, bring it to me. And then, and then he blessed them, right? He blessed them, then he broke them, and then he gave them to who? To the disciples. And what did the disciples do? Distributed it to the people. I don't know if you see this, but it did not multiply when it was given to Jesus. It did not multiply when Jesus blessed it. It did not multiply when Jesus broke it. It did not multiply when Jesus gave it to the disciples. It multiplied when the disciples gave it away. But all those things had to happen before it could happen. And so I want to take this last few moments and and say these three things to help you understand. If you want to see, you be the channel God uses to be the person God can do things through. Because there's a verse in the Bible that says God can do all things through those who love Christ Jesus. And so think about that. He wants you to be that conduit. He's looking for you. He's looking for a person whose heart is fully committed to him. He's looking for conduits. He's looking for channels. He's looking for people. He can do things through. First thing is, it has to be given to Jesus before it can multiply. That's the first thing. It had to be given to Jesus before it could multiply. And so we, what, what we need to understand is that we will not have what we have multiplied in our hands. What, what we have will not and cannot be multiplied in our hands. It most definitely won't be multiplied in MasterCard's hands or Visa's hands, but it can be multiplied when it's placed into the Master's hands, in Jesus' hands. It's in Jesus' hands where it, the multiplication process begins not only is it given to jesus before it can multiply it has to be blessed before it can multiply can the government bless your money your resources who you are no can the stock market bless you sometimes we feel like it can sometimes we feel like it can curse us too right government stock market no the only one who has the ability to bless what you have is jesus he's the only one who can bless it Jesus can bless it. But it's not that it's just given to Jesus before it can multiply, and that it has to be blessed before it can multiply. It has to be given away before it can multiply. See, once Jesus blessed it, he broke it, and then he gave it to the disciples. Could you imagine if the disciples held on to those half loaves, held on to those fish halves? Everyone would be staring, what do we do now? What do we? They had to start giving it away. And, and could you just imagine what that? what that's like, right? I mean, all of us have had different imaginations of what that moment looked like for Peter and, and, and John and others. Like, okay, you take some. Well, what, well, that was a big, big piece you took there. You know, and just, okay, you have to take a little less than him. You know, you just can imagine like the thoughts. 
There's 12 of them. Five loaves and two fish leaves 14 pieces, right? So, so when he broke the bread initially, not everyone got bread. Could you imagine being the, the 11th disciple and you're, you, 11, 12, and you don't have anything in your hand? I'll have something in a second. Or when it was the two fish, right? Then only four of them had something. But after the bread happened, they were ready for the fish. See, what's amazing, I think, is that the first time you realize that God wants to do things not just to you, but through you, uh, you get more excited for the next time he wants to do something through you. So, so it's interesting that he started with the loaves before the fish. Not that it matters, but and I don't, maybe there's an etiquette. I didn't study. See, there's an etiquette of bread before fish in Jewish culture. I don't know. But, but 10 of them had bread the first time. Four of them had fish the next time. But I'm going to tell you right now, all 12 of them were ready when the fish started getting passed out. Because they had already been a conduit. They would already been a channel that, God, that Jesus had done something through. It, it, it's not an easy thing, but it is a simple thing. It is a simple thing to understand that not, again, we may be talking about resources today, but everything. You want the love of God, the love of Jesus, you want to love like Jesus does, and you want to live like Jesus does, you want to serve like Jesus does, well, it starts by love that comes to you and then goes through you. You want to have wisdom, wisdom doesn't just come to you, it goes through you. You want strength, it doesn't just come to you, it goes through you. Hope doesn't just come to you, it goes through you. You are a channel, you are a conduit, and if you're like King Asa and start turning to do things your way, God will stop and go, I need to find a new one. I need to find a new channel. Not that he doesn't love you. He needs to get his resources, his love, his hope, his peace, his strength, his comfort, everything that he has, he needs to get it to those who don't know him, and even those who do know him, and he's looking for people he can do things through. Question is, new life, will you be people he does things through? See, like the English Channel, or the Channel, is what the Atlantic Ocean uses to flow into the North Sea. The disciples were the channel Jesus used to feed the 5,000, and the thousands, really, that day. They were only fed because the five loaves and two fish were given to Jesus blessed by Jesus and given away by Jesus' disciples. Next Sunday. Oh, I'm so excited for you guys. This is your second one, right? Second Miracle Offers. I have no idea how your first one went. Uh, before I, I stopped being a pastor, I did four of them, I think. Uh, 19, 20, 21, yeah, four. And, and, uh, and it, I feel like each one got better. Not, not, num- not, not like, like, in, like, I'm not saying necessarily better in dollars. I'm not, not talking about, just like, each, I got more excited to, to talk and share with the people at church. And our last one was the largest offering I ever saw as a lead pastor in 17 years. It was a beautiful, amazing thing. And you know why? Because I think the people who call New Life home, they realized, I can be a channel for God. And it was such a beautiful thing because it was we, we had a few really big gifts, yes, but there were people who gave a little, and there was there were there were there were kids who gave, uh, right, Selah? There were there were kids who could be conduits. We all of us, whether it's the mics or the Selahs, we all can be conduits. We all can be conduits today. So I did give, I did you guys shout out over there. They were wondering if I give them a shout out today. So troublemakers, there you go. <laughs> They call themselves troublemakers. So, all right. Anyways, I move on. See, dad jokes, you never know when they come. 
Miracle Offering Sunday, you get to choose whether or not you are to be the channel Jesus uses to get what he has to those who need it. God has already given it to you. He, when you give it to him, it gets blessed and it can multiply. Now, as you give to the Miracle Offering, I know you give next week, I want you to just think a couple quick things about what Paul said in guiding the Corinthian believers in a, something that's very similar type of miracle offering. Or, or, or special offering, kingdom builders type offering. Second Corinthians 8.12, Paul says this to them, whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. So I'm going to tell you that, guys, the amount doesn't matter to God. Your heart does. Some of us can give more than others when it comes to the amount. But some of us can give more when it comes to the heart. And it is all about the heart to God. I don't have time to get into it, but if you just go to the story of the, the, the widow who gives her two mites, um, Jesus says that's the greatest offering. It was probably the smallest offering that he's ever seen. He, to him it was the greatest because of her heart. Which leads us to 2 Corinthians 9-7. You must each decide where? In your heart. You must decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Paul calls this giving in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 the ministry of giving. See, just as worship is a ministry or serving in kids is a ministry, choosing to be a channel for God through giving is a ministry. In fact, this can happen each time we give, not just on a miracle offering Sunday. Every time we give, every time we give away what we have been given by God and we give it to God for God's purposes, it multiplies. It's a ministry of giving. And like 2 Chronicles 16, 9 says, God is looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Are you one of those hearts that's fully committed to him? Where you place your treasure, where you place your resources will show that to him because it will show where your heart is. Now, being a channel for God's resources to flow through you so you can get those things he wants to others is a high honor, but it is a ton of fun. Which I'll give you this last image, and the image is surfing. I've never surfed, done a little bit of boogie boarding, a little bit of boogie boarding. And, uh, and yet, I remember I was on the beach in North Carolina, Wrightsville Beach this summer with my beautiful bride, and we're just hanging out, and we see these two kids learning to surf. And, and they're not doing a great job, but every time they got up, every time they got up, there were smiles on their faces. Even if they were only up for a second, they were up for just a second. They were smiling, and their parents were on the beach watching. They had instructors instructing them and stuff, and, and, and the, the, they're on the beach, and they're smiling. These kids hardly did any surfing in the beginning, and yet parents and them are thinking like they're professionals now because they're having a ton of fun surfing now but if you were to watch professional surfers 
right? If you were to watch professional servers, it looks like, man, they got that down. They're doing all those things that they do. I, I don't know what they're all called, but right, they, they go through the tunnel of water. What are they thinking? And, and just all this stuff that they're doing, it's just, it looks so simple. It looks so easy to them because surfing has become second nature to them. Surfing is second nature to those who are professional surfers because they've been doing it so long. I want you to become people God can do things through. I want you to be a channel for God to get his resources to those who need it. How? Simple. Let it, let being a channel for God become second nature for you. It will be hard work but it will be a ton of fun. When you let it become second nature, it becomes simple. It will be like surfing the wave of giving and meeting the needs of those around you and being the channel of God's provision for those who need it, locally, globally, and in the future. Just like the disciples were for Jesus, to the 5,000, and the English Channel is for the Atlantic to the North Sea. May you be the channel that God uses to work through to see the lives of those in the projects that are represented in your kingdom builders here in 2023 so that you could know that you were a channel God did things through. That is my challenge for you today. That is my hope for you today. Let's go. Let's do this. Let's be people God can do things through. Before the worship team comes and, well, they already came, but before they sing, so used to saying before they come and sing, but you guys did a great job. Before we, we, we do this last song, and you can make it as a response by coming to the front if you want, or just respond by what I'm going to ask you. I've got a few questions, and the first question I always ask anytime I'm anywhere preaching, whether it was back home, Back in my church that I, I, I pastored or in Tennessee last month or even here today, this question I have for everyone here, first of all, is do you need Jesus? Are you here? And, and, and I'm, we all need Jesus. So, I mean, it's a Sunday school answer, Jesus. But, but, but do you need Jesus today? You've never given your life to Jesus, never given your heart over to him. You never surrendered to him because you can never be a conduit for him, a channel for him, a person he can do things through if he's not in you if you haven't said yes to him. And so that's my first question. Are you here and do you uh, want to say yes to Jesus? Do you need Jesus in your heart, in your life? The second thing would be this, for, the, for those who do have Jesus in your heart, do you want being a channel to become second nature? Are you here and say, you know, I, I've been a channel before, but it's just not second nature. I feel like the kid who was surfing on that beach in North Carolina, and I get up and I fall, I get up and I fall, and, and, and realizing even then it can still be a ton of fun, but you want it to become more second nature. You want to become a professional when it comes to being a channel for Jesus. And maybe you're here, that's you. Maybe you're here and you say, I want more to flow through me to others. God, I, I'm not looking for more resources just to say that I got more in my checking account or my bank account, but, but I want more so more flows through me. I want not just more resources to flow through me. I want more love to flow through me. I want more hope to flow through me. I want more strength. I want more wisdom. I want everything that you have to come to me so that it can flow through me. I want to be a channel for you. Maybe that's you. And my last one is, is your channel clogged or is it broken? I do not have time to get into that with you guys today. But for some of us, we can't be the channel because something has clogged 
inside where something has broken. And Jesus says, those who are brokenhearted, come to me. He heals the brokenhearted. He unplugs the clogged. And maybe that's you. You know Jesus, Lord and Savior. But the idea of being a channel, you know you're broken. You know you're, you're, there's something plugged up. And he wants to do that in your life. Will you close your eyes for me? Just for this moment. I'm going to ask the question. I've, I've asked four different things. And I'm going I'm to put it all on the same level. If any one of those four things spoke to you and you want to respond to any one of those four questions, say, yeah, that's me. That's me, Pastor David. That's me. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand today? Awesome, awesome, awesome. So many of you raise your hand. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to pray for you. You can respond when the song starts to come up the front if you want, or you just stay right where you're at. Your response is between you and God. God, I pray right now that you would help those who have raised their hands. So many in this room raised their hand. They either raised their hand and say, yes, I need Jesus, or they said, I want to be a channel for you and it to be second nature, or I want more to flow through me, or I know that I'm clogged up, plugged up, and broken. God, will you fix me? Will you repair me so that I can be the channel that you want me to be? God, I pray that you would help them in doing this in your way. Holy Spirit, come right now. Make yourself known to them. Speak to them clearly and show them the next step in what you have for them. In your name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Would you stand? Will you stand with me? If you did respond, will you at least tell someone today? Tell your neighbor, your friend, uh, your spouse, your mom and dad, your kids. Tell one person today, I responded. And maybe have a conversation with them about how, what you responded and do something about it today.